everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Lena Black, coming to you live. Yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. It's been another hairy week in the state house. It's been a struggle. It's been an uphill battle. We see what's happening. But I, I got to tell you guys something. I, I feel... I feel good about something. I feel pretty positive about some things. You guys have been showing up at the state house and fighting for teachers and you've been fighting for students. We've gotten some some wins. And I know they don't necessarily seem like wins, but when you show up 200, 300 deep, some of those bills gots to have some amendments. You can't just keep talking crazy to people and think they're going to stand back and think it's okay. So first off, I want to talk about the fact that we were able to get them to amend House Bill 1134. So let me, Alexandria Appleton of Chalkbeat reports, a proposed amendment to Indiana's so-called divisive concept legislation uh, would drop some of the most controversial parts of the bill but stopped short of completely removing the list of concepts that would be banned from the classroom. The changes are an attempt to strike a compromise, according to a statement by Senator Linda Rogers, who's sponsoring the bill, 1134, as it makes its first appearance in the Senate uh, Committee on Education. Among the changes, Rogers' amendment would narrow a list of concepts that lawmakers want banned from the classroom from eight to three. Removing one that would forbid teachers from teaching that students would feel guilty or discomfort based on their personal characteristics like race and national origin, that's good. That one's good, it's gone. Teachers had signaled, uh, singled out this point in particular as potentially ge- uh, generating frivolous lawsuits and stifling classroom conversations. Yo, this part of the bill was really bad because basically if a kid came home from school and said, well, you know, I felt uncomfortable because they were talking about a subject, the parent could actually sue the school and they would get a maximum of $1,000. Well, that's gone. That's been amended out. Because I, I was suggesting that, you know, to all my Latinx and all my black and Asian friends, that every time your history was omitted from the conversation, you sue. They didn't like that idea because, you know, they thought only one group could actually do some suing. There was going to be a whole lot of suing going on. <laughs> the bill passed out of the House last month has faced an uncertain future in the Senate because we know that they pretty much threw theirs out. Representative said, the changes I am introducing may not be where we end up on all of these issues, but I am offering them as a good faith attempt at a compromise that respects the valid concerns of both parents and educators. Well, if it was a good faith attempt, you'd have just pulled that thing and call it a day because we know the only reason why you wrote that bill is because you have a whole bunch of people screaming about CRT and it ain't even a thing. So let's be clear. You're not doing it out of the goodness of your heart. So quit playing. Okay, but this is what happens when you rally at the state house. This is when we come together and we fight. Even though they introduced this bill in the house and it came out, enough of us showed up because we matter too. What we say matters too. And the idea that they could just keep on passing legislation at that state house and not, and people who don't like it don't have a say in it. So she got an amendment in there. We'll see what happens. You know, notably the amendment would strike political affiliation. Um, The amendment would strike the ability for parents who believe schools have taught a banned concept to file a suit. We talked about that. The amendment would strike the original bill's mandate for outside curriculum review. Because, you know, I'm, I'm always comfortable with someone who struggled in secondary school making a decision about the curriculum in secondary school. That's just me. And instead of mandating curricular review committee comprised primarily of parents, the amendment would give districts the option for such committee, uh, give give the districts the option to compile the the committee. But honestly, that's just one more layer of bureaucracy we don't need. We have a school board for a reason. We have superintendents for a reason. So I don't understand why we got to have this other board. 
just another layer of bureaucracy. It was really a way to let people just come in and disrupt the whole process. Now they heard the bill yesterday. Like I said, there were over 200 students, 200 people there, a lot of students, a lot of teachers. You can't keep ignoring people. You can't keep ignoring people. All right. So the next thing, there's another bill that got amendment amended. The Indiana Senate Health and Provider Services Committee significantly amended a bill that limits employer vaccine mandates and passed the bill eight to two with two Democrats voting against the bill. House Bill 1001 sought to restrict employer vaccine mandates with the aim of protecting Hoosiers who declined to receive the vaccine. Now, I find this one, this particular bill, troublesome because here in Indiana, we're supposed to be an at-will state. That means the employer can employ you at will. So say, for example, an employer doesn't like the fact that, I don't know, I'm a same gender loving woman. And because I may want to live with a same gender loving woman, they decide they want to get rid of me. They can do that. Cause they can make up whatever reason it is that they want to get rid of me. Now they're saying, well, you can do that with everything except the vaccine. Got a problem with that because now you're saying in some cases we're an at will state, but in other cases, we're not an at-will state. So based on this bill, the author says, employers should have a right to dictate what they do with their business, but at the same time, employees have rights of their own. You know, when I read that by that Republican author, for some reason, it almost sounded like he was down with collective bargaining. No, no, is it, is it me? Am I, am I reading it? Let me read it again. Employers should have a right to dictate what they do with their business, but at the same time, employees have rights of their own. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like collective bargaining. That sounds like a little bit about some unionizing. Oh, but you don't want that to happen. See, you know, y'all, GOP, if it wasn't so stupid, I'd be crying right now because y'all are killing me. You can't make up your mind what you want and the way you want it. You want to tell people one thing, but you really mean something else. All you, all you guys are doing right now is flim flamming Hoosiers, making them believe that, you know, we care about the employee. Oh, but wages have been stagnant for years. We care about the employee, but we do everything we can to bust unions. We care about the employee so much that, you know, we want to help provide health care the best way we can. No, you don't do that. But wait a second. We care about the employer so much. We want to tell them as the government agency what the employer should be doing. I thought y'all said y'all wanted government out of business. No, you don't? Okay, well, I'm just saying, uh, guys, this is why we have to have people on the ballot. This is why we got to have people running in every district, doing everything they can to, to change that state house. To, to win as many county and township and local races as we possibly can. Because we, when we show up, we win. When we let apathy sit in and we don't do what we're supposed to do, we, we let them win. There's more of us and there are of them and we have the opportunity to do, even with these jacked up redistricting lines. You feel me? Even with the jacked up redistricting lines. So uh, that's my rant for today. It's not really a rant, but it's more like an update on what the heck's happening over in the state house because I kind of think it's important. I think we got to keep up. There's so many more bills. I'm not going to tell y'all how sad I am that, that the anti-trans bill did make it out of the Senate today, this week as well. I know my man, J.D. Ford, has been doing everything he can to try to fight that. You know, I... I I just have a hard time with codifying discrimination against a specific type of human in our legislature. I'm sure there was another way to come go about this, but they would rather uh, an already, you know, a marginalized group of individuals who face discrimination on a regular basis. They're really writing, willing to write into law to say that it is absolutely okay to treat those humans bad. I, I just have a hard time with that. All right. That's my rant. There's a whole lot out here to talk about, but in the meantime, I want to introduce my guest tonight. I told y'all I got two guests for the rest of the primary season. I'm excited. And the cool part is some people are running for house. 
Some people running for county offices. We got men, we got women, we got black people. Listen, we are the big tent for a reason. I do love it. So tonight, so first up, he's a return guest and I'm gonna let him talk so I can get Annette's logo up. (laughs) I'm gonna let him talk first so I can go ahead. Y'all give it up for my man who's running in State House 82, Kyle Miller. Kyle, welcome to the welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. I love it. So how you been? Good, good. We uh I, I started running in twenty eighteen back when I was on uh the show last time and, and um we took on uh Martin Carball up here in uh what was the eighty first district. And uh and we came really, really close in twenty eighteen. It was the first time I'd ever run. Uh, we took on at that point a three-term incumbent, um, and uh, and we took a took a district that was typically 60-40. Uh, we moved it a few points. Um, we came a lot closer than anybody thought we would, uh, and so uh, we we tried again in 2020 with the momentum and the hard work that we uh, that we had from 2018, uh, and we came even closer. And uh, when all was said and done in 2020 against Martin Carball, we um, we had uh, moved the district eight points. Uh, which was uh, really saying something for a, a Democrat in Allen County uh, in a in a race that uh, that uh, quite frankly nobody thought we would do that well in. Right. Um, and so um, you know after 2020 we knew they probably weren't going to be uh, kind to us up here in uh, in Allen County as far as redistricting goes. Um, and uh, and so uh, we were very pleasantly surprised. Uh, they of course added a bunch of red to Martin Carbaugh's district. So. They weren't going to uh, weren't going to allow me a, a third run, um, and and made sure he was in a safe seat after after struggling a couple of years. Um, but they drew us into this new district, District 82. Uh, and as part of the hearings, uh, the redistricting hearings that they were holding, um, they were hearing from a lot of people that they wanted Allen County more compact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they created this new district, District 82, and it's it's an urban district. Uh, it's kind of the the center part of Allen County. Um, and the district uh, as a whole leans blue. Um, and so uh, we thought this is our, this is our chance. Uh, we didn't see this coming. Um, they kind of they gave us a district here. And so we thought with, with the hard work that our campaign has always been known for um, and the new dynamics of the district, uh, about half of the new district is made up of parts of the previous 81st, which we've already run in. Uh, made connections in um, and built those relationships, and so uh, we think we have a really strong case for uh, why why we're the ones to beat in the primary, um, and uh, and why we think eventually we are the ones to win the general in November. So um, it's been a long journey to get here. It's been a lot of hard work, but I've enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, and like I said, we're just putting in the work, and and um, hope it goes our way this time. It, yes, I hope it does. And congratulations for not giving up and coming back. I mean, the resiliency, that's the most important thing, right? We tell people all the time, if you run once and you don't win, run again. And you know what? There is no other person in Marion County that shows perseverance like my ne- my next guest. Y'all, I met, I'm going to tell you something. I met Annette Johnson before I was in politics. Literally, we went to go hear her speak at an event because my best friend was one of the sponsors. And my, you know, I, I was, you know, y'all know the story, 14 happened and Riffer and I'm mad and I'm thinking about running and, you know, Chris, Chris goes, well, introduce yourself. She's, I'm like, I will, man, I will, I'm cool. She goes up and says, excuse me, my friend wants to run for office. <laughs> And she says, you do? Well, come knock doors with me. I was there Saturday knocking doors. That's how long Annette Johnson's been around. Annette, this is your first go around on Turn Left. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Dana. And thank you for having me. And thank you for sharing that story. That's, you know, one of the many awesome stories that um, individuals can share when they're out here on this campaign trail and meeting new voters and and individuals that are very enthusiastic about running. So that's such a great story to share. And, you know, it just brought, you know, made me smile. I still remember the location. I remember you coming. And what I will say is, you know, Dana is, is, is telling the truth. Just imagine you meet someone at an event and you say, okay, well, come walk with me on Saturday. 
how many times does that really happen it, when people actually say, okay, I'll do it, or they show up? Um, exactly. And she showed up. <laughs> I even brought yes. a friend with me. <laughs> yes, that was so much fun that day. Yeah, well, but you know what? And that was the thing. Like, you didn't ask me what my credentials were. You didn't ask me where my family was from, who your mama is, or none of that. You said, come knock doors. And, yeah. you know, that's what, you know, I, and I'm, we're going to get to that, but I'll move past. I'm, I've done a few conversations with county people around the state, and they get a little frustrated sometimes because when they reach out to, to people who are in this political game, they don't feel as welcome and as warm. I mean, thank you for being like, yo, come on, because I have not stopped since. And no, I won't, you know what I'm saying? So just think, every time somebody calls your office, county people, or rings you up on the phone, don't turn them away. You might have another Indiana's own. Oh, wait, y'all might not want that either. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and then tell the people who you are and where you come from. Well, again, um, everyone, uh, my name is Annette Johnson. I live in Pike Township in Marion County. I am the trustee of Pike Township, and I have been in this office. On, I'm on my first four-year term, so I'm in my fourth year. I can't believe we are at four years. It's went so fast, and I've just been on a, a, a roller coaster of working hard and being out in the community of Pike Township. Yeah, yeah, you have. And so you're you're running for re-election. Yes, yes. I'm I'm running for re-election in this upcoming May primary. Yes. <laughs> so tell us your journey. Give us your I mean, because you know, I, I kind of gave him a little hint. Give it give us your journey, because it's not always easy. Like I just was saying, Kyle, thank you for coming back and running again. Give us a little bit about your journey. Well, you know, I, I moved in Pike Township in about, let me see, around 1998, 1999. I was pretty much a young little buck then and just really <laughs> wanted to get involved in politics and pretty much did what you did and, you know, went to different resources and started doing voter registration drives in my community and knocking on doors and getting to meet my neighbors. And then I ran for a township board that was a um, seat that came up. And I said, why not? You know, you know, this is what I love to do. And from there, you know, won that seat and served on the township board for the trustee's office, mm -hmm. which now I am the trustee. So it's been nice. a journey where I've learned. I served on that board for 14 years, which is a long time. That was three elections because you served for four years is each term. Um, I ran for city county council, was not successful, mm -hmm. but I mean, it was an awesome race. I also ran for state representative in 2005, and that was another race that I did not win. And then we fast forward, like you say, we stay at something for 12, 14 years. And a lot of times I get this question a lot. You know, you stayed at it for 14, 15, 16 years. Why? Because look where I am now. Yeah. So yeah. hard work pays off. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, Kyle, that's, what, you know, one of the things that's so important right you talked about mm -hmm. how those district lines up in fort wayne are all jacked up but if you guys don't continue to stay out here fighting there'll never be a change what do you, what has got you back in the fight again well i think that the the same things that drew me to the state house in 2018 and in 2020 that fight for uh strong public schools uh, higher wages um you know access and affordability and child care good quality health care, um, you know, these, these issues that we're currently running on in the, in the campaign now are still, are, are, were issues uh, that, that we ran on in 2018 and 2020. So they're, they're issues that are, um, uh, you know, to borrow a, a phrase from the, from the state party, they're kitchen table issues. Right. They're issues that people throughout the districts are, um, are dealing with, are struggling with, and uh, they're largely being ignored at the state house. And so, uh, for us, we, we, uh, uh, I'll be transparent in saying that after 2020, um, when, we, when we came really close and didn't win, um, we, we didn't know what we were going to do. Um, there, there wasn't any, uh, really anything open. Um, I didn't have a problem running again uh, for a seat, um, but it had to be the right one where, uh, where hard work and dedication could, could actually get you somewhere. Right. Um, you know, we have so many of these gerrymandered districts right. that unfortunately there are some where um, uh, we, we, we have great candidates, but there's just no, there's no chance. 
um, and I wanted my hard work to, to mean something, to count for something. And so, um, like I said, we were pleasantly surprised when they when they popped this uh, this new district at us, and uh, it gave us a, a reprieve, another opportunity to push for, uh, like I said, these these um, these basic issues that are happening down at the state house um, that that we're just not making enough movement on. I love it. I love it. And see, y'all, I wanted to have both of their stories because sometimes you don't win. I mean, look at Mayor Hogsett. He lost a couple of times, and now he's the mayor of the largest city in our state and won by 75% of the vote. So don't give up the fight. You know, hopefully that's my theme for tonight. Go show up at the state house. Don't give up the fight. But unfortunately, Annette, some of the, the, the legislation that they're passing out of our state house um, negatively impacts communities um, from a financial burden point of view. Talk about what you do as, as a, a trustee of a township, what your role is and how you serve the community in this role. Well, uh, Dana, such a great question. You know, as a trustee, um, we provide poor relief in an emergency situation. So I provide emergency assistance, um, any type of commodities that can help individuals, um, food referral, um, resources for individuals that are looking for temporary housing. And so, you know, that kind of qualifies under the emergency shelter issues. Um, we provide, um, again, poor relief. We pay your utility bills. We pay your mortgages. We pay your rentals. Anything that we can do for you in an emergency situation. And what I like about the trustee's office, you know, we have 72 hours, which is th a three-day turnaround to make sure that we provide what we need to pr provide for mm -hmm. you. It's mm -hmm. not something that, you know, takes a week or two weeks or a month, but within three days, you know, whatever type of emergency that you're, you know, um, dealing with, we're able to deal with it and within the three days. I do know that at one point you guys had like a, a food bank set up and I know this was before COVID. So I don't, I didn't mm -hmm. know if that was something that you guys were still yes. doing. Well, that was that was something um, as the, as the, you know newly elected trustee. That was one of my visions was to actually have a food pantry on site at the trustee's office. So this is something that had never been done before. Um, you know, as far as in Marion County, I'm um, the only trustee that actually has a food pantry on site of the you know of the trustee's office. A lot of times we were able to do partnerships with the local grocery stores and you know Aldi's and Kroger's and things like that. And I do have you know wonderful partnerships because along with my food pantry, I'm able to um, have um, gift cards from Kroger's that we also give as well. But I actually have a food pantry and that's for my clients that come in on a daily basis. We don't want them to be worrying about food. We want them to whatever small amount of money they have to keep that money. They may need it for gas. They may need it to get back and forth to work. And so with us providing um, assistance with utilities and their mortgage or rentals, I also wanna make sure that I provide them with food, which will hopefully you know last within at least two weeks because we try to give them enough food for at least two weeks for the families. Wow. It sounds like you have a, a lot, it sounds like you have a lot of empathy and care and concern for the community, where does where does that come from? Well, I, you know, I just think it's it's something that's instilled in us as youngsters. So my grandmother was very involved in politics, not where I am, but I always say, you know, each generation goes a, a a little bit higher. But my grandmother was very involved with voter registration in Louisville, Kentucky, and I used to. Um, be with her on the weekends learning. I was eight years old and mm -hmm. didn't really know, but I worked at the uh, community um, neighborhood centers with her, you know, bagging up. I can still remember bagging up little baggies, putting sandwiches in them and passing them out to the homeless in the community. And then my mom was, took it to another level where she actually, you know, was a precinct committee person and was very instrumental in her church with um, voter education and registration. And then I'm here where I am now because, you know, from the backs of what they have done. That's what's up. Kyle, what, what instilled your desire for civic engagement? Well, I've always sort of um, been interested in politics and, and the ability to sort of shape your communities and, and have a say in what happens. And I, I think that that desire only uh, grew stronger uh, after having kids. Uh, my my daughter Maggie is eight, and my son Tucker is six. And um, you know, I, I've lived in Fort Wayne my whole life, 
Um, this is where I was born and raised. I went to school here. Uh, I didn't go away to college. And so, um, you know, this is where my wife and I have decided to uh, raise our kids. And, and we obviously hope that they stick, uh, stick close to home when, when they're on their own. Um, you know, if they want to go off to college, great. Um, but we hope that they come back after college and, uh, and appreciate the community that we've built. Um, and for me, uh, running for office, and especially at the State House, um, is really my way of giving back to that piece of the community. Um, having that say and, and sort of crafting uh, the, the, the community and the world that I'm giving over to, uh, to Maggie and Tucker. And, um, and, and like I said, hopefully, if, if we do it right, if we make the, the, the good, smart decisions, um, we're, we're building a community, not, not just for my kids, um, but for all kids to come back and to, to live, to thrive, to, to play and to work. And so um, that's what drives me is, is making sure that uh, we're building that type of community. I love it. So now I'm going to dive into policy because Kyle, you brought up a whole bunch of stuff right there that, that has my, has, has got me a lot wanting to ask some questions. You know, you said you want your kids to, to, to maybe go away and then come back home. Uh, we see let the legislation that's coming out of our state house one um, we're missing out on business opportunities in the state because we don't have the same level of uh, the same number and availability of college graduates who are ready for some of our high tech gigs. In fact, we just lost Intel, went over to Ohio. I'm sure everyone has heard about that. We lost out on, uh, uh, to Ohio because we don't have the same level of college prepared young people for the jobs that Intel was offering. We all know that there's a brain drain in our state. How do we, and what do we need to do, Kyle, in your estimation, uh, like when you see these bills like 1134 and the, the Senate bill that was the sister bill, how does that, how does that make you feel um, when you see those things happening and these folks are just like, you know, making it hard for you to keep your family close? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's really unfortunate. You mentioned Intel. Intel decided to settle into Ohio because um, they, they made the specific investments in higher education. Uh, they were on the forefront of that. Um, and so often in, in Indiana, we're trying to catch up. Um, we're trying, you know, we, we see that Intel invests in Ohio because they've invested in themselves. And we, we go, oh, well, maybe we should do that. Um, you know, but we do a lot of things. I, of course, speak in the collective. Yeah. Um, but uh, we do so many things in Indiana that that are either catching up with uh, with the rest of this, uh, the the rest of the nation or the states around us are doing. Uh, in you know, in regards to um, marijuana laws, yeah. um, you've got the states around us that that are all figuring it out. They may not be fully rec recreational. Um, but they're figuring it out. They're they're doing it their own way. Mississippi just, uh, just Mississippi. Yeah, I know. And, uh, and and so and and still here we are saying, well, it's still illegal at the federal level, so we can't touch it. Um, and so so often uh, we're seen as a state that's that's falling behind on so many issues: um, education, wages, healthcare. Um, and so it's it's really detrimental. To, uh, I mean, if you take if you take the teachers for example, um, not only if if a uh, House Bill 1134, uh, if it had not been amended to essentially strip 90% uh, of the bill um, and and passed without the amendment, um, teachers uh, currently here, Hoosier teachers, uh, would feel like this isn't a place for them. Right. Uh, and not only would we lose those teachers that we critically need in the midst of a teacher shortage. Um, but we wouldn't be attracting other good teachers to assist in that, in, in uh, easing the burdens of that uh, teacher shortage. Um, and so uh, I, I think that uh, Indiana having a $5 billion surplus uh, in the state budget and uh, the fact that next year is a budget year really affords us the opportunity to talk about some of these things and um, to, to make some movement, to make some investments that are really going to make Indiana – uh, look like the forerunner, uh, not just look like, be the forerunner uh, on a lot of issues that, quite frankly, we're, we're falling way behind the rest of the nation on. 
Absolutely. And Annette, and, and you may or may not be able to speak on this. And if everybody knows, I never, ever give anybody any questions in advance. Uh, I like to have, you know, organic conversations. And by the way, if you like anything that either of these candidates are talking about and you want to support their campaign, I have included on the Facebook uh, link their donate buttons, Annette's donate button and Kyle's donate button. Feel free Thank to you. donate dollars because, you know, we might as well turn these into fundraisers, baby. And a disclaimer. Any candidate that appears on turn left, I am not endorsing them. I'm giving them an opportunity to share their story. I try to get as many Democrats on as I possibly can. All right. So now in Pike, this past winter was kind of crazy a little bit, right? You had, you guys had some, you know, some of the school buses, you know, they had to cancel school when they thought we was in school, but isn't a lot of that, wasn't most of that about not having enough bus drivers? Not that people are incompetent and can't manage the, the school district. Right. We're st he was saying we're struggling to get teachers. We're struggling to get the, the, the wraparound support too. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're struggling to get other areas of employment. Again, I just had that conversation today with um, someone. We were talking about, you know, the, the issues as far as in Pike Township with Pike Township school districts. And a lot of it is had to deal with the COVID as well. Just imagine yeah. if you had 10 bus drivers out. I mean, we, you don't have any subs, sub drivers. I mean, because normally when you have someone out for COVID, they had to stay out for 10 days, that's yeah. 10 days. And so a lot of their issues was, you know, dealing with the COVID and teachers just being out. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some teachers are, you know, and were disappointed in what was going on with um, pay scales and their pay raises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Quite a few of the teachers also were out because of health issues with COVID. Not that they didn't want to be there and, and provide the educational needs for the students. It's just that COVID had taken a, a turn, you know, a toil on a lot of our um, individuals that work in those various different um, positions in Pike Township School District. Absolutely. And, I'm, and when I, after I ask this, feel free, either one of you to jump in. And one of the things that I struggled with during this COVID crisis and um, when parents were ready for their kids to go back to school and when businesses were ready for their employees to come back so the kids had to go back to school, it seemed like nobody gave a dang about the adults who were in the school who were more susceptible to the, to the disease or to the virus and or could take it home to their family members. And yeah. it, was, it was, I don't know if y'all felt that way. I was very frustrated. It was like, yeah, we understand the kids don't, aren't necessarily going to get it or, or have, you know, the worst effects of it. But we already know schools were germ hoarders anyway. You know what I'm saying? Kids walking around spreading germs all the time. And it just seemed like nobody mm -hmm. really took into consideration, yeah, we need the kids back in school, but we need the adults who are supposed to be teaching them to be able to be safe and not get sick and die too. Feel free to jump in on, on any of that. Yeah, my, my sorry, Ned, my, my wife's a teacher. Um, and so it was, it was a very real concern in our in our household. Not only would uh, would our kids be safe um, uh, with the, the policies and things that were happening at school, but um, would, would my wife Michael be safe? And and uh, and it's not just teachers. It is it's, it's support staff, it's bus drivers, it's uh, it's it's lunchroom staff. Um, you know, so many so many great people uh, make make schools run, um, and not just schools, but uh, you know businesses and, and things like that. Um, it, it's a very real concern, and I, I don't know that enough um, enough concern was given as far as uh, just how impactful all of this would be. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. And, you know, Kyle really hit on some good points as well. I'm also, you know, in my spare time, which people say, well, how do you have time for all this? You know, I'm a adjunct professor at a university, and so just dealing with that aspect of it as well, and do we do online, hybrid, but you know, a lot of times you don't hear all of the other stories that individuals and families deal with. I mean, we did lose a teacher in Pike Township School Districts, mm. but that's mm. something that you don't, you know, that's not from, out from in COVID? the public. From COVID? Yes, mm-hmm, yes. So just like Kyle said, of course, you know, we want to make sure, you know, we're educating our, our children and school is going on, but what about the people that are right there on the forefront offering these services? And so, again, you don't hear all the stories. You just get pieces of it. And it was yeah. very, very shocking and very sad situation. And even with the students to have to deal with, you know, their teacher yeah. not coming back. 
Yes. Oh, so good God. question, Dana. I yes. didn't I didn't know. I didn't I hadn't heard mm -hmm. that. And I'm I'm really sad for the Pike Township family because you know, mm -hmm. I I rant and rave about a thing, and mm -hmm. then you go, shoot, it was a thing. And it I, was. It, you exactly. Know, and that's what you don't that's what you don't hear. Now, there are a lot of other issues and and, and as much as I'm I'm struggling with the teacher aspect and the public education, because honestly, we know that these folks don't want us to have public education. That's why they're doing the things they're doing. Um and, and, and you said something just a moment ago. You said you were an adjunct professor. Well, you know yeah. there's a bill running through the state house right now that would basically say, you know, we're gonna let anybody teach. Um, we're gonna turn, you know, primary and secondary p educators into anyone off the street with a degree or experience in a specific area. Whether or not they know how to teach or not is irrelevant, right? Because you're talking about different types of kids. Basically, they're trying to say that being a teacher is not a profession. And then I know that you're an adjunct professor, but that's got to be a very different dynamic when you're dealing with adults oh. versus dealing with kids, right? Well, I mean, you know, before I got to be an adjunct professor, you know, I was in IPS 14 years, you know, then and that was public school system. So I've taught just about every level that you can think of. And that is very disheartening because think about all the time and energy that individuals such as myself, people before me, put a lot of time and energy. I mean, I, you know, went to Ball State. I have three master degrees. I, I wanted to make sure if I taught adult education, then I was trained to do that. So I went back and got a master's in adult education, allows me to teach at an adult university. Also wanted to teach vocational education. I went back, got a master's degree for that. So I have not missed a beat and not try to go through the back door. I've done what is mm -hmm. needed so that when a, a person or a student of mine is in my classroom, they know that I come highly recommended. I have my credentials and I'm just not someone like you just said off the street. I just think that's just a disservice to people and teachers and educators that have put a lot of time and energy and still put in. I'm yeah. working on my doctoral degree. Oh, because sure. I want to do some other high level in, but when I see this bill, it makes me, it just makes me cringe. That's all I can mm. say. Kyle. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I, I, I only speak from, uh, the experience of my wife. Um, and, uh, I, I could not be in a classroom. I am not, uh, not only am I not trained, I don't have the temperament to be in the classroom. Neither. Um, not to say not to say I don't have skills uh, that could be useful in a classroom, um, but we can't just we can't just put one piece in the classroom and expect it to work. Um, you know, uh, we we need we need teachers that are well rounded that um, not only know their stuff and know what they're what they're doing, but know how to. Uh, work with students that, that uh, have different needs um, and work with students who might have behavior problems um, and, and know how to uh, take a student that may be uh, reading at this level and get them to this level. Right. Um, and uh, and, and be able to recognize example. the difference. Right. I, I know how to read, but I don't know that I could teach a, a child how to read. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I don't... Uh, I, I, on, on a certain level, it's admirable. They're trying to work on things to uh, to, to ease the burden of the of the teacher shortage, um, but it's just baffling that this was the uh, this was the fix for it. it was just to allow uh, anybody to to uh, you know uh, teach in a classroom. But I think if they were sincere about really dealing with the teacher shortage, they would adjust the teacher pay. Let's just be real about it, right? Come on, we're at the bottom of the nation. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit because. You know, we have, we have a lot of other, there's a lot of things going on, right? Um, one of the things I want to talk about is Indiana's healthcare. There's another bill coming through. Uh, there's, there's quite a few healthcare bills that are coming through, but Indiana still lags behind um, at the, the bottom of the, of the barrel when it comes to healthcare, healthcare spending um, on Hoosiers. And, and uh, Annette, I know when people are struggling to buy prescriptions and get to the doctor, that's when they fall behind and they come and visit visit your location. Touch on where we are in Indiana, and 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 I know that you're the trustee and you don't get to write legislation this time, but talk about how it impacts your community. 
Well, you know, bills is such that they're just, you know, throwing out there in the state house really impact our community because that's also one of the uh, duties of a trustee. And a lot of people don't know that. And sometimes they say, well, it's all the way at the bottom. You know how you're reading through what we do. You just read the first five and that's it. But um, we're able to pay, you know, anybody's um, bills on prescriptions. I mean, I've had several individuals come in that's all they needed. You know, they, wow. they have to have their, their prescriptions or, you know, it could be a matter of life and death. And so, you know, as a trustee, I'm able to provide that need and pay that for them and make sure that they're able to get to the drugstore, you know, the doctor's office and get that. But just the high cost of prescription drugs is, is an, is an issue. And we have to find a way where individuals that are already, you know, paying, high prices for their rent, their mortgages, they got to have car payment, insurance. A lot of times, you know, that's like the last thing. There's like, well, I don't, I, you know, I can't pay it this month, so I just go without. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just going to, you know, drive the cost of health care because if you're not, if you're sick at the small level and you don't do anything, you're going to go to another level and, you know, be hospitalized. Ooh, honey, because when I seen how much blood thinners were <laughs> for one month, I yeah. was like, you know what? Blood clot. How, how bad can it be? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Kyle, how would you try to address, uh, you know, some of our health care concerns in our state if you were able to get into that state house? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, health care is uh, a giant beast and it starts at the federal level. Um, and we need we need to open up access to health care as much as humanly possible, um, whether that means uh, something like Medicare for all. Um, uh, or, or something, something different. But every other industrial nation uh, on on planet Earth has figured out how to give their their residents, uh, their their residents, um, how to give their their uh, people access to good quality health care. Um, and so, specifically in Indiana, um, I, I, I mentioned this earlier. I think we have a, a real um, opportunity uh, with the surplus that we have. You know, I've been watching so much obsession. Uh, this this go round and it seems like the go to excuse for pushing off issues is uh, well we don't want to open the budget we don't want to open the budget um, you know if we open the budget for one thing we're going to have to uh, hear uh, different bills on on uh, other things that may amend amend the budget in a non budget year um, and so uh, quite frankly next year is going to be a really exciting year because it'll be the uh, budget year that we're able to talk about a lot of these things. Um, that include healthcare, that include ways to drive down uh, premiums and co-pays. But uh, like Annette was saying, um, prescription drugs is uh, quite honestly a, a very, um, I, don't, I don't know if to say low level way. Um, it's a very basic way that we can give people some relief uh, as far as, as, far as health care goes. Uh, you know, I, I often say when I'm talking to people, uh, no, no drug that, that can save your life should bankrupt you at the same time. Come on now. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I've been paying very close attention to um, Mark Cuban and what he's been doing uh, with his uh, with his new drug company um, and his new online pharmacy, uh, because he, he's essentially taking uh, corporate greed out of the mix. Um, and he's able to purchase straight from uh, the manufacturer and uh, they, they buy it at cost from the manufacturer. And then they mark it up 15%, no more than 15%, um, and they sell those drugs at 15% above cost. Um, wow. That's what we need, and that's it, it, quite honestly, it's it's showing that this has been possible all along um, to to make moves on uh, not only prescription drugs but healthcare in general. Um, you know, even uh, credit to uh, Speaker Houston and uh, Leader Bray in in the House and Senate um, uh, taking uh, taking these. Um, healthcare companies, the hospitals, and things like that, and the um, uh, the insurers to task for why are uh, Hoosier healthcare costs continuing to rise and rise and rise, um, and uh, and bringing them to the table and saying what can we do to lower lower healthcare costs? Um, I think that, like I said, like like Annette alluded to, um, uh, prescriptions are a very basic way we can we can work on healthcare, but um, they're not the only way, and I, I look forward to uh, getting elected and spending um, the next budget year, next session, 
really figuring out ways that we can we can spend some of our surplus on bringing down the cost of healthcare. That surplus is driving me nuts. Don't get me wrong. I feel uh, rainy day funds. I'm good with. I understand, but I already got a hole in my roof, and it's gonna rain soon enough. There's so many holes that we need to plug in our state, and I, and it's, it's driving me nuts with them. Oh, we got a triple A rating. What good is that if if the the quality of life is in the tank? Oh, we got all the yeah. money in the world, but nobody wants to live here. Come on. I uh, I I wrote an op-ed a couple of weeks ago in the Journal Gazette um, about the surplus and about how we got to this point. Uh, and, and one of my points was that essentially what we're doing is our, our, our 91 Toyota needs a lot of work, um, but we've chosen to just put that money into the bank and hope that our, our 91 Toyota doesn't break down on the way to work. Um, As we drive, you know, I have to drive uh, 45 miles down the road because if you live in rural Indiana, your 91 Toyota, you got to go somewhere else to go to work. Speaking of right. rural Indiana, you know, uh, and, and health care, we have counties in our state they don't even have a healthcare facility. They have to drive, you know, hundreds of miles. Everybody's talking about infrastructure. Everybody, now that the infrastructure bill has passed out of Congress, all the Republicans don't want to take credit for it now, and they got their hands in it. But healthcare facilities in rural Indiana is an infrastructure issue. Um, we, I know Pike needs some, see Pike, Pike, Pike needs some things. I, I drive over there every now and then. Pike needs some things. Fort Wayne needs some. I know Fort Wayne needs some things. But how do you think our state house should be looking at the, the different pieces? Like you said, we got this 91 Toyota, but there are a lot of needs. Uh, Annette, where would you start first with addressing some of the infrastructure needs in Pike, Indianapolis, or how you would go with it? You know, I think some things that we really need to work on in Pike Township would be um, transportation. Mm -hmm. That's a really big need. Even where my uh, trustee's office is located at, the nearest bus stop is 12 blocks away at least. Okay, so wait, wait, just... wait, wait, hold up. So wait a minute. Somebody who is struggling financially or in a crisis mode, they may not have their own transportation. They yeah. need to get to the trustee's office and the bus stop is 12 blocks away. At least 12, hmm. at least 12. I would, I would say no less than that. That's Maybe 14, but 12 for sure. And these are things that I have identified with our, you know, our Indigo um, bus system, transit system here in, you know, in Marion County. And just to no avail, you know, I haven't been able to get much leverage with that. But that's one of the things when I first became trustee that I took a look at, you know, it, I just feel like that's something that needs to really be looked at. Because like you just said, you know, you have individuals, everyone doesn't have a car, right? But if you had a, you know, you're on a bus line. So, I mean, you can, you can get at least 12 blocks away from my office and hopefully try to walk down. And that, that has happened before where individuals have walked to this office. Wow. I mean, you know what, if they're not going to expand public transportation, I'm going to need somebody to give up some Uber Lyft gift certificates. <laughs> I mean, come yes. on. So, I mean, yes, yes. listen, this idea that everyone is all the same and we are all on the equal playing field is driving me nuts. We, yes. the, we And the idea that there's a whole, you know, statute that says in Indianapolis, because, you know, they always trying to dismantle something in Indianapolis. Hold on, Fort Wayne. Y'all coming next. Y'all the second mm -hmm. largest city, so they coming for you next. But every time they pass some legislation that's specific to Indianapolis, it's restricting our ability to expand the infrastructure and the things that we exactly. need, like mass mm -hmm. transit. We can't even talk about train, you know, commuter trains in a city of mm -hmm. almost a million people. I, it just it frustrates me. Kaya, what, yes. what what are some of the things that you would you know? There's a lot to do, so pick pick one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean I agree. I think it, I. I um... The new district is uh, is an urban district, and so um, there are uh, there are plenty of urban um, urban issues uh, to to deal with, to to look at, to look at ways to improve and invest in. Um, but I agree with you. We we need to also, as as one of uh, many um, uh, one of many members in the House um, and and uh, the Senate. Uh, we should be looking at ways to improve that rural access. Uh, 
mm-hmm. uh, to healthcare, um, whether that is uh, you know investing in new centers, uh, healthcare clinics, or uh, like Annette said, um, transportation, and and you know not only expanding bus lines and and transportation from that uh, from that angle, but um, you know healthcare transportation as well on a, on a smaller scale. Um, and so there there are um, a ton of ways to uh, to sort of talk this through and and make sure that we're 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 including um, access for uh, everyone and not just the people that can afford it, not just the um, the north side of Fort Wayne uh, uh, where we you know uh, almost everyone has a car and and the, the bus doesn't even travel um, to North Fort uh, Northern Fort Wayne. So. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it comes down to uh, where our priorities are, yeah. um, and and like I keep saying, uh, next year down at the state house is going to be sort of uh, a reckoning. I feel in in our priorities. I, I often say that um, a budget is a moral document and shows where our priorities lie. Um, and I think that it'll be uh, it'll be really important next year to have somebody down at the state house um, that's that's looking out for those those priorities. And, you, and you're right, because transportation was a big topic when I was in Bartholomew County over the weekend. I had a chance to go to the Indems. Um, they're doing another tour, which I think is fantastic. They're always finding ways to engage the community. And they were down in Bartholomew County. And Steve Schottmer, who is the, the Bartholomew County chair, uh, brought up something about creating that, that transportation. Because Columbus is... You know, they don't have a lot of low-cost housing because Cummings is down there and they've got a lot of professionals, but there are still people who can't afford to live in Columbus. They live on the outskirts, but they can't get into Columbus because they don't have transportation. Or whatever health care facility they need, they got to come all the way to Indianapolis. And there's not even a, a way for them to get from where they are in rural Bartholomew County to the shuttle pickup place to take them. I mean, it's just, so we've got to do better about just being better neighbors to each other, I think. I think that, and you guys both said transportation, and, and we got a lot of work to do. Y'all, you know, this, when you're having a good conversation, the hour goes by real, real quick, and I made it a point to keep my rant slow, low today. So I want to talk about um, how people can find you if they want to help you on your campaign. I know both of you have primary opponents. Um, but talk about how they can help you during this primary season, um, if you're going to be doing any door knocking, any events that you're going to be having, and share where people can find you so they can help you. All right. Well, um, again, um, my campaign is reelect our township trustee, Annette Johnson. And um, my number where they can contact me is um, 317-418-7801. She giving so out we, phone numbers. Yes, yes, yes. Because I am a very transparent person. And so I believe in being very transparent and letting people get to me. But again, if you could um, email me as well, uh, my email is j as in Johnson dot, and maybe we can put it in the chat. Yep. Um, Annette 92, which is A N N E T T E 92 at yahoo.com. Again, Annette Johnson for Pike Township Trustee, Marion County. Love it. Kyle, where can they find you? Yeah, so our, our website is uh, www.kylefor82.com. Um, that'll have all of our contact info, uh, Facebook, everything like that, uh, links to links to donate as well. Um, uh, my email is millerfor82 at gmail.com. Um, but we'll definitely be out and about. We've... Uh, I started calling um, just after just after the first of the year, um, making making calls into our district, uh, the new district, to uh, not only introduce ourselves to the the, the, the new folks in the district um, that we haven't talked to before, but uh, the, the people that we have already talked to as part of the uh, old district as well. And so um, we're almost uh, the, the full way through our first universe, um, and then uh, probably around the first of March we'll start knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. So. We'll definitely need uh, all the help we can get. Yes. I love it. I love it. You, yes. you just, go ahead. I was going to also say, um, you know, I do have my Act Blue account up. You know, individuals can go to Annette Johnson. It'll pop right up, I Township Trustee. And so I do have my Act Blue account up. I am, um, you know, we need money to run <laughs> these types of campaigns. Yeah. Um, I will 
you know, if you follow me on social media, I have a social media page for uh, reelect our township trustee. I have a Pike Township trustees page. So I have quite a few social media pages out there as well. I have upcoming fundraiser that's coming up on March the 11th of this year. And so um, just as Cal said, we will start knocking around March the 1st. That's our goal. And, you know, we'll start getting things going. I just really want to be successful and, you know, just making sure we can identify new voters, uh, voter registration drives. It's just so much that we have going on with um, the campaign for Annette Johnson. I love it. And I'm excited for both of you. And let me tell you why. Um, one is you guys have demonstrated you just can't give up. Just because things don't go your way initially, you might mess around and surprise some folks if you just stay <laughs> in the game. Just stay in the game. And I'm really happy that both of you have had your successes. Kyle, you're still out here pounding the pavement. I, I, I'm really proud to know both of you, and I wish you the best of luck. Um, so, y'all, if y'all like what these candidates are talking about, get with them. Get with them. <laughs> Help them out. You know, yes. because you know, there's there's all there's enough for all of us to eat in this primary, and as long as we do it with love and respect. You know, it doesn't matter. Competition is good. My congressman, Andre Carson, always says competition is good. And he has to run every two years. He don't, ain't no sweat off his brow. He's coming for the people. So if you if you want to run, don't mind a little competition. I, I appreciate that. All right, Indiana's on Dana Black. Uh, what I have not mentioned, and I have been derelict in my duties, this Saturday, this coming Saturday, Indiana Stonewall Democrats, we are hosting our fundraiser. Listen, when our trans kids are being attacked, you can't chop off the T in the LGBT family. We the alphabet soup family, we bring it all up. And when you tell our young kids who have the highest suicide rates of any other demographic that we're gonna write into law that you can't have access to the same public activities that every other person has. You're just gonna increase their, their darkness. That's why we have these fundraisers at Stonewall. If you can't make it to the event, which is gonna be, you know, come on now, we talking about gay people, so it's gonna be a good time. Come on, you already know it's a good party. We're gonna be at the Firefighters Union Hall from six to eight. We have, we have Representative Malcolm Kenyatta from Pennsylvania, who is also running for U.S. Senate as one of our guest speakers remotely. And we have West Virginia's first elected trans person, uh, Rose, uh, Councilwoman Rosemary Ketchum. She is also going to be a guest speaker. We have people, because we got connections, honey. We just, listen, we just ain't, but we want to show y'all what winners look like. And we, you can't give up. As LGBTQ folk, you just cannot give up. This little bill is a setback, but we're going to wrap our arms around our trans youth. The kids, they, they kids, they writing bills against kids. <laughs> God, that just burns my soul. They writing bills against kids. So make sure you come and hang out with us on Saturday. Um, whatever you have, we'll let you in. Come on now. That's how we do that democratic love. And my board would really appreciate it. All right, now, Black Pearl Studios is about to make a pitch. Are you listening? Any candidates out there, I need you to listen. Are you needing an online presence? You need to highlight Indiana's own. I can shoot a video. I can get you the online presence that you need to share your message with your constituents. And it is not going to be an exorbitant. I'm not trying to charge people six, $8,000 to do a 30 second shoot. I just want to help you get your message out. And I have the ability to help you advertise on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, where we can get your message out to a target audience. I have that capability. I can come and shoot the video. I can edit the video and I can advertise the video, but I'll give you what you need, whatever services you need. Yes, there will be a fee, <laughs> but it will not be so high that you can't afford as a candidate who's running for office and raising money that you won't be able to get what you need because you need that online presence. We, the media is not covering us, y'all. 
We have to create our own media mecca and thunderstorm and shake, rattle, and roll so people know that we're out here as Democrats. You feel me? Huh? And, if, and if I can't do what you need, I got people. I got people. I got, I got, I got people. I'm just saying, holla at Black Pearl Studios, all of my candidates, so that we can get you connected and get that online presence. I know y'all have seen those campaign videos from all those famous people, Stacey Abrams and all that. We can do that here in Indiana. You don't have to have $80 million to shoot a video. All right. Indiana's on Dana Black. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, I have two amazing ladies that will be with us. Yes, yes, yes. I love it when the ladies are on the show. Kyle, I love you too, though. I don't want you to feel like I. Uh, so I'll holler at y'all next week. Peace. Turn Left is the property of Black Pearl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.binsound.com.